You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Savage Arms and the new 110 Ultralight. At about six pounds, the 110 Ultralight is designed to combat elevation and the elements while maintaining the performance of a factory blueprinted Savage 110 action. The carbon fiber wrapped stainless steel barrel makes it durable and lightweight. The rifle comes equipped with the Savage AccuFit technology, so that means it's adjustable and it comes in a variety of calibers the 308, the 270, the 28 Nosler, the 280 Ackley Improved, the 30 6 and much more. If you want to find out more information about the 110 Ultralight, visit savagearms.com. What's up, guys? My name is Parker McDonald, and I'm your host, and you are listening to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. We've got a killer episode for you today. We're talking with our buddy Adam Cruz, and we're going to key in on late or secondary rut. And uh, Adam had some really good success this season, just overall throughout the season. He had a really good season. You've probably heard us talk to Adam Cruz several times, um, but he killed a, an awesome deer in velvet on the Tennessee the Tennessee velvet hunt this year, the early season hunt. And uh, he also was able to have some late rut action in Kentucky on public land out there. And we're going to key in on that. Um, obviously, it's Kentucky deer. The deer situation in Kentucky is better than most of the South. But we're going to talk about some of the things that he's keying in on to have that success in, uh, in a, a secondary rut type situation, which you may or may not see on your property. So I think it's going to be a fun episode. Um, it's definitely one of those things that... Um, I have seen happen in the South. I haven't seen it happen a lot, but there are pretty specific tactics that go into a secondary rut hunt being successful. And so I think you're going to get a lot out of this, especially some of you guys who are, uh, you know, a lot of the South has season that goes through the month of January. And a lot of you are probably going to um, have opportunity to hunt in a, in a potential secondary rut situation. So I think this will be a good episode for you guys to check out. Before we get into this, I want to give you a, uh, a quick, um, I guess, uh, update from me. As I, as you can call it a life update, whatever you want to call it. But uh, every year, as, as a lot of you guys know, I work in a church. And every year we do what's called a 21 days of prayer and fasting. And this year I really felt like the thing that I needed to just give up for that time is social media. And obviously social media is a huge part of Southern Ground. It's a big part of building the brand and keeping people engaged and people keeping people updated on what's going on, the content that uh, I'm putting out through Southern Ground and all that stuff. But I really felt like this is the, the right time and it's going to be good for me and just good for my um, my walk with the Lord and, and things like that. I know not everybody uh, that listens to this believes in that in, in that stuff, and that's fine, but I just want to let you guys know that that's what's going to be going on. So I'm going to be taking a 21-day um, hiatus, I guess, from all social media. So the important part about that is that I will still be putting out podcasts, and I've got a couple of pretty cool YouTube videos that are going to be coming out this month during that, that 21-day period. And so I wanted 
to just drop this line and let you guys know to be subscribed on whether it's Sportsman's Nation or Southern, the Southern Ground podcast feed. Subscribe one of those ways because I'm not probably going to post about it on, well, definitely not going to post about it on social media. And also on YouTube, you can search Southern Ground Hunting on YouTube and make sure you subscribe and you uh, have notification turned on for that channel so that you can see when I, when I post a video or whatever on the channel and uh because i'm not going to be posting about it on social media during this time period so wanted to let you guys know about that i'm going to be um just really trying to focus on my my spiritual side my spiritual my walk with the lord and with my family spend time with my family i know you guys all if you have social media if you've got facebook instagram it's so easy to get like just trapped in that just mindless scroll and I do that all the time, and I know that's not where my focus needs to be at. So I'm really looking forward to this uh, this 21 days. I think it's going to be an awesome time. But I wanted to keep you guys updated on that. Also let you know about ScreeGear.com. If you haven't checked out ScreeGear, I've been getting a ton of questions recently. Um, and I think a lot of it is from guys in the South. It's cold right now. People are really starting to realize, like, man, maybe my Walmart camo isn't the best thing for me during with this cold weather and and some of this stuff and so um scree gear is definitely an option for you that you need to check out um it's super affordable it's good quality stuff i've now been using using it for two full seasons and for the most part my stuff looks brand new like it, it doesn't have a lot of wear and tear i am hard on gear and any kind of gear my bow my rifles my kayak my clothing, my camera gear, it's just, a lot of you guys know the the, the grind of, of just, of not even just public land, but just deer hunting in general, you can tend to be really tough on equipment, and I have been very, very rough on my scree gear, and it has held up so stinking good, and um, man, I, I just can't recommend it enough, it keeps me warm uh, on cold days, it keeps me cool on hot days, Find the system that's right for you, and uh, I think you'll be very happy with that. And uh, something that you can you can do is you can use the code Southern Ground, all lowercase, all one word at checkout, and it will save you a little bit on your purchase there at ScreeGear.com. You can also check out Tethered Nation, and uh, we talk a little bit in this episode about the new uh, Tethered One Sticks that they're coming out with, how well they buy Adam actually has a set of them, and uh, he got an early set, and... Uh, we talk a little bit about it in this episode, but man, from the ground up, Tethered, uh, you can go to tetherednation.com and find everything you need to get from the bottom of the tree to the top and be ready to hunt. So check them out if you're if you're wanting to get into the saddle hunting world. Um, man, I can tell you I have done so and I will never look back. It has been such a huge part of my success over the past few years. And I'm never looking back on it. You can also check out newcanoe.com if you're interested in getting into the kayak hunting world. Um, again, another thing that I have done that I'm never looking back. At, like, it has just changed the way that I hunt. And we actually talk about water access in this episode with Adam. He talks about it being one of the greatest things that he has done in helping him be more successful. And that is water access. So whether it be a boat or a kayak or whatever, um, my favorite thing about the new canoe is that it's, it's, it's extremely versatile. So you can get into skinny water. I actually did it with our buddy Michael Pike the other day. We went out to a place and we actually carted my kayak like 400 yards through a cornfield, through some really thick 
river bottom woods. I mean, it was nuts. And we didn't, you know, it, it wasn't hard. Like it was, it was relatively easy with a cart and you can't do that with a boat. Like you're not going to be able to do that with a boat. Unfortunately, the area where we could have put a boat in and actually use my motor was super flooded and the, the, the roads were just impossible to get through. So we couldn't do that. So we had to go around it and do the option that we did. And the kayak made that easy. Another thing though, is that the new canoe actually comes ready for a motor. So I have a 2.5 horsepower outboard motor that I can use with mine. And so if I'm at a boat ramp or a little bit bigger water, I can use that motor and I can get anywhere that I want to go. Um, you can also use a trolling motor, that's an option. But the new canoe is just so stinking versatile. You can use it however, um, whatever method you want to do, if it's paddling, if it's multiple people, if you want to paddle tandem like what we did with me and Mike, you can do that as well. I just can't say enough about new canoe. It's seriously, in my opinion, the best kayak on the market as far as versatility and um, man it's just great so make sure you check out newcanoe.com that is going to be it for the announcement portion of this uh, of this podcast I'm super excited about this episode guys I think you're going to enjoy it so let's get into this talking about late late rut secondary ruts with Adam Cruz I am joined by my good buddy Drew Robbins and our special guest for today, Mr. Adam Cruz. We'll start with, uh, we'll go alphabetical order. Adam, how's it going, man? Man, it's, uh, it's been a really good year. It's sad that it's over. Um, but yeah, and when I say year, good hunting season. So it's all good, man. I'm glad to be back on here and talk with you and Drew. That's for sure. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Well, we got, we got lots of questions for you. Um, but uh, before we get into that, Drew, how's it going over there in your part of Alabama? Doing good in my part of Alabama. Um, yes, going great. It's it's stinking cold, man. It like, is, man. It's it's cold. Like it's it's good deer hunting weather. And um, so, guys, if you if you're out doing a little bit of late season um, secondary rut stuff, man, uh, good luck to you. But um, yeah, doing good, man. Just uh, starting new, new year off and um, waiting on Alabama to beat Ohio State tomorrow night. You know, so that's what we're doing. Hey, Rotad, brother. Go Buckeyes, right? <laughs> Go Buckeyes. Uh, is that what they uh, say up yeah. there? It's yeah, that, that's what they say up there. Real original Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> Go team. Oh, um. So, at, yeah, so Drew, you're talking about it being cold, dude. I just, like, literally, as soon as I press record on the podcast, or on the, on the recorder, it, uh, I got a snow warning on my phone from the weather channel. So it's yeah. cold. Yeah. It's Dang. it's cold, man. Like it's supposed to get yep. um, not, t- not terribly temperature cold, but it's like super windy. It's, it's like overcast and it's supposed to be like fr- freezing rain and snow kind of mix in the morning. So yeah, yeah. dude, if, uh, if I were able to, and I had a buck tag, I would definitely be in the woods tomorrow. It would be one of those days yeah. that you want to be there for sure. Um, yeah, and it's it's also one of the things, too, like especially with, with with a southern boy, like it's like an absolute gold of mine one day to kill one in the snow. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And uh-huh. and, and obviously we don't, we don't get that hardly ever here. And so if I had a buck tag and it was snowing, oh, man, I'd be all over it. Hey, listen, last year, last year I did kill a buck in the snow. 
Uh, it was like one day That's right. That's it right. like it like snowed just a little bit, and when I shot that buck, <laughs> hey, that count. <laughs> when I shot him, he died like right next to a log that had just the amount of shade to keep some of the snow on the ground because the snow was pretty much gone, but there was just a little bit oh, underneath yeah. that shadow, and uh, so I have killed one. <laughs> I have killed one in the snow, Drew. Um, you you keep going after it, buddy. I'm pulling for you. I'm gonna keep on keep on going after it. So what we're gonna what we're gonna talk still, about? Do you still have a, a buck tag, Drew? No, no. We um, me and Parker both tagged out, and so I, I actually tagged out um right after Christmas, and then um, Dang. and so we, yeah, man, all all tagged out, and then I actually saw the biggest. Of course, is how it works out. We we talked about it last podcast, but um, I tag out, and then I take my brother hunting um right after Christmas. And I see the biggest deer I've seen all year long and couldn't kill him. So, oh, man. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, man. Appreciate it. Well, I mean, I, I'm just trying yeah. to be like Adam Cruz. I mean, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to, you know, want to go to all these different states and shoot Pope and Young's and, and um, you know, and just, you know, stay there half a day and, and, and you shoot a big buck and Parker gets blown away by a hurricane and you're just like, you know, waving at him, driving away. I mean, so... <laughs> No, actually, the story was that's that's what I want to be. Actually, the story was there was like a tornado forming over mine and Jonah's head, and Adam was like, "I should call them." Nah, I'll just shoot a buck. That's pretty much that's pretty much the story. If you would like to go and listen to that podcast where we talk about the story, excellent one. (laughs) That's Adam killed a buck during uh, the Tennessee velvet season, which was a freaking tank. And, uh, uh, Adam, are you still kind of like, that was one of those bucks where you really kind of have to still be on cloud nine, just about that deer. Is that like, has it gone away yet? Mm -hmm. Are you still pretty happy with, with that, with that whole hunt? Dude, honestly, man, like I've already got the mount back, you know, my, I had a guy in Mississippi mount it. He said it was the first one of the year, obviously. And I think he just finished up. Long story short, every time I walk through my living room, like I feel like I just stop and look at him and like, holy cow! <laughs> I can't believe I mm. killed that. I know, <laughs> dude. Awesome, so, gosh, is awesome. He's yeah, it's he's majestic. He he's is, and he's just perfect, man. Like he's just like I go back and look, like you, you know. You go back and look at pictures of your own deer, and you're like, man, that was cool. I go back and look at pictures of that deer. I'm like, golly. What a deer. If I would have just been a hundred yards in a different spot. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Hey, Adam, what, what, what was funny is that, like, uh, you know, Parker, Parker sent me a picture of you killing the deer. And then, like, every other day, like, Parker sending me pictures of, like, him looking like, you know, a rain-soaked, uh, you know, dude up in a tree just <laughs> – and just like just grinding, you know, just grinding at it, and then the, and then and then you, you know, loading like deer up in the tailgate. Just a great, it, man. It's, it's that's an awesome podcast, guys. You need to go listen to it. It's it's really good. Adam, I, I got a question for you, um, yep. and, and see if you can guess What's this. I, well, actually, let me tell let me tell everybody what we're talking about. We're going to talk about secondary ruts today. Adam had some success in Kentucky okay. on ty- uh, a secondary rut type situation. And, uh, and so we're going we're gonna to get into that, and we're going to talk about that story and kind of the setup and, and maybe even a little bit of the, the science. I've been doing some, some research, and obviously everybody has their own opinions. But that's going to be kind of the, the, I guess, the, 
basis of this podcast. Um, but Adam, if you had to guess like your ratio of sits to success, like how many times you sat this year and how many times you pulled the trigger, we're not going to talk. I mean, uh, you know, there was some, some non recoveries and things like that, but just as far as like having an opportunity to shoot, um, to time spent in a tree, what would you, what would you guess that, that to be? <laughs> No, we're talking like bucks, right? Bucks only. Let's talk anything. I mean, it really yeah, it's, yeah, anything. It's whatever you're, whatever you're after. You know, if you're on a doe hunt, that still that still counts. You know, if you're going to kill a doe, I think that still that still counts. But as far as just pulling the trigger this year, man, I don't know. I would have to sit down and really think about how many times I actually went because, I mean, as you know, I've been going back to school, so I've been trying to get my MBA. And got a full-time job. I got three kids, uh, plus one of the two-year-old. So I haven't been able to go as much as I'd like. But I will say this year the ratio was much higher, especially uh, in Tennessee. Whereas you know the last few years I've been going to Kentucky, and it's been just a different world for me as far as like the opportunities. But in Tennessee it was much better. So combine the two, yeah, it was. I don't even want to guess, but it was it was a lot higher than it had. It was it was high. It was definitely high, and uh, you know we we keep in contact pretty much every day. I text we we text basically every day. I would say, and uh, and like I can I can honestly say like you didn't hunt that much this year, um, just because of that schedule. But man, it seemed like when you did go, it was always you know more successful. Is there anything? that you feel like that's what I want to know. Yep. Like, yeah. like you did yeah. differently this year. The main thing that I did differently and it didn't even really pay off. Um, it, you know, it doesn't even count towards the first one was the water access. And I upped my game this year and got a boat instead of trying to do it with a kayak. And For I give losers all credit to the world kayak. to Parker and you guys. That, <laughs> I, give, I give all the credit in the world to you guys that are tough enough to kayak, like especially in cold weather, all your gear. But Parker has like, he's haunted with me. He knows how clumsy I am. Um, things just seem to go wrong. And then this year I stepped up my game to a boat and honestly, for Tennessee, even well, even Kentucky, I, I credit a lot of that success in Kentucky with the boat. It's just opened up my world, man, for access and opportunities, able to get away from people. And I hate to even say that because other people will be like, man, maybe I should get a boat. But <laughs> it has, man. Like, that's that's the number one thing. The number two thing, I think, is just like the last few years is, is I've really been kind of like retraining myself how to hunt. Um, you know, the first, let's call it 15, 20 years of of life i had private access to great areas pretty much i was like one of the only people hunting these properties and you know historically where deer are where they bed where they feed at what times of year and all it takes is like the right time in the stand you can be successful the last few years i haven't had that so i like had to do some homework i've had to like you know i had a podcast for a while I listen to podcasts like crazy. It's just really consuming all the information that I possibly can from the right type of people, right? Like, yeah. so I don't, I don't just listen to everybody and consume everything. It's really picking out those true authority figures that are hunting the way that I want to hunt too, 
and then also just kind of taking a little bit of all of it, kind of like the John Eberhardt and Dan Infault, not just one. Take a little bit from everybody right. and put it right. together. So I think that's really helped out. Yeah, you can tell that. I mean, um, I guess we've been we've been buddies for a few years now, and I can definitely see that uh, that change. Actually, uh, it's funny you you talk about that. You know, like all the all the content that's available for people to consume has really really made it difficult. I, I think we, me and, uh, me and, uh, Michael Pike went deer hunting on Friday. So let me, let me tell you about this. This is a funny story actually. And, and we'll kind of get dive into some of the things that you said. Um, but this part specifically, uh, we had this, me and Mike, which Michael tagged out, uh, Tuesday. So last week he tagged out on a, on a solid buck, um, in Alabama on public land. And, um, we were texting back and forth about it, and so both of us can only really shoot does, and uh, and we were like, well, let's go out to this hunt. There's a there's a hunt on the WMA that doesn't really open up a whole lot, and it's got a lot of bucks. It's, it's really solid, uh, um, but I think it opens up. I think it opened for like nine days or something like that, maybe a week during the rut. And this is the first time that I know about that it's ever opened up during the rut. It's usually only open during early season, and so they open it up during the rut, which is like basically beginning of January, and uh, and there's bucks everywhere. My gosh, it's it's ridiculous how many deer are in there. So we were like, let's invite some of our buddies who haven't you know haven't tagged out yet, and uh, see if we can just kind of still hunt. You know, we'll try to kill does or whatever. We'll just kind of still hunt. We'll take the kayak across a creek, and like we had this like super hardcore idea for all these people that were gonna you know, probably could have killed a buck that day, honestly. Um, <laughs> but then it's like two o'clock in the morning and the last person bails on us, uh, which was Hunter Lindsay. He was going to go out there with us. And he was the last, <laughs> like there was, it started out with like seven people and people slowly began to bail. Well, it ended up just being me and Mike. It's like, well, nobody has buck tags now. And we worked so freaking hard to get back there to kill a doe, which we could have done just probably a hundred yards <laughs> off the road. Um, like we get, like here's a plug for suspends, uh, kayak carts. We carted my new canoe like 400 yards or something like, like it was a long ways that through a cornfield and into the woods, uh, down to a little Creek. And then we had to pull the kayak out around blowdowns. And like, we, <laughs> we just worked way too hard because we only had doe tags. Well, we get out there, dude, and we saw like four bucks that day, and one of them was a toad. One of them was huge. I jumped him mm. up out of his bed. Uh, I got about 30 yards away from him probably, and uh, my my uh, my pants got stuck on a briar, and it made a loud noise, and him and two does popped up. Well, Mike was probably 150 yards away from me, and he ended up seeing the same deer. And, uh, I mean, it was just, it was, it was an incredible day for us as far as buck sightings and stuff. And, uh, I got to talking with Mike, you know, we got back there and there's like boot tracks and stuff. And we're like, man, this is not where I expected to see boot tracks and, and see pressure. And I got talking to him. I was like, man, like really all this content that's available right now has made people better at deer hunting. And it kind of sucks because, you're going back into these areas, you know, and it's like, well, crap, there's not supposed to be people here. And, uh, but there is, I mean, it's just, it's, it's the God honest truth. This content is making people into better deer hunters. And yeah, like, you know, I think we've talked about it, Adam, like when we go and hunt 
similar places, we have the same pins marked, you know? I mean, I know that's the same with me and Drew. Like, it'll happen, and I'll be like, have you seen this spot? Yeah, and we got the same spot marked yeah. on the map, you know? Yeah. Um, so it, it, it really is true, you know, you, you start really consuming a lot of this stuff and really taking it to heart and really putting in the time and effort. You're going to get better at it, and, and I think it's cool to see – to see how that's kind of kind of worked for you, but I wanna I wanna get kind of into the into the meat of what we're gonna talk about today, which is secondary ruts, and um, it's kind of a it's kind of a thing that people assume is gonna happen everywhere. You know, 28 days after the the first rut, you know, whatever that may be, whatever time right. that may be in your area, 28 days, you're gonna see a secondary rut. I have very, very rarely seen that. I want to ask you, Adam, is that something that you have seen a lot in your lifetime? Only in one place, and that's where I grew up. So I grew up in the southern part of Tennessee, and we absolutely have always had a secondary rut. And now, back a, a long time ago, I'd say a long time ago, probably like five to seven years ago, Tennessee had a break during their gun season. Like they shut gun season down and it opened back up for both season. Then gun season opened back up. Well, during that break is when the secondary rut actually used to happen. And I don't think a lot of deer were killed during that time because of that. Like everybody just kind of quit hunting for a couple of weeks until the gun season opened back up. Well, now that gun season kind of flows through that, um, my brother still hunts that same property I grew up on and like clockwork. I can watch between December 5th and December 15th he's going to either get a good buck on the ground or he's going to get a shot at a good buck. And it's, and they're always like in that secondary rut phase and he loves it. Like that's, if he could take a couple of weeks off, that's his favorite time to hunt for whatever reason. But uh, up here where I live now, I have, I don't think I've ever seen uh, like a really pronounced secondary rut. Um, yeah. Cause I have now in Kentucky though. Yeah, for sure, and and you had some success doing yeah. that. Have you, like, in, in where you're at now in Tennessee, do you notice, like, so one of the things that I've that I've seen and I've, I've heard and I've seen research done about is, like, is like a lot of the, the buck sign, once they go into lockdown in that first rut, it'll, you'll see your scrapes, they'll be, you know, probably a week old, like, they won't be freshened up. They'll just be kind of dry for a little bit while those bucks are with does. And then all of a sudden, um, it's supposed to open back up, getting ready for that secondary rut. Do you see that, like any type of sign that the the, the bucks are, you know, back hitting scrapes and making rubs and stuff? Not, um, not here locally and not even down in the southern part of Tennessee, which if I, I can't go into a ton of detail about what the terrain is, it's just, it's a lot more cow pastures that I hunted down there. We'll just say that in smaller strips of wood. So there wasn't like a ton of sign there anyway. However, up in Kentucky where I was at, you know, during, I guess, right before Christmas, there was a lot of what we call newer sign and fresh, freshened up sign. But um, it was very evident when I got there and I was hunting with a local guy. He had said, man, like, honestly, I'm seeing more running action now than I was seeing back in November. Um, which we talked to some other guys that's uh, other locals in the area and they said kind of the same thing. They were kind of amped up about the second rut more so than they were the first rut. Yeah. It, it seems, it seems like a lot of those bucks in those type in a state like Kentucky. So you take, you think about they got one buck tag 
you know, unless you're hunting one of the uh, military uh, bases, you got one buck tag. And a lot of people are tagging out, you know, by the end of November, you know, Mm -hmm. when that first rut's over. And so a lot of the pressure tends to drop off in a state like Kentucky. Did you notice any, like, decrease in pressure from the past times that you've been there? You've actually got to hunt that place during the rut on a quota hunt. So um, what was it like as far as pressure in in the area compared to the other times? So hunting from the water access side, like I didn't see any pressure. I did run into one local. We, uh, I guess we walked, we were dragging a deer out with a buddy. And and while we were tracking it, we picked up, he picked us up on one of his uh, trail cameras. I think he had a reveal. So, you know, it got it on, got us on the cell cam and he met us at the boat ramp. He said that he was in that area that I shot the buck. So I didn't see anybody like, literally didn't run into any other hunters which i would be far off you know the main road and the access trails so yeah i didn't i didn't have any pressure thankfully it was really nice yeah and that's i mean that goes back to what you're talking about earlier with the water access and things like that like it you're you're gonna you're Mm -hmm. gonna relieve yourself i guess of of pressure just for i mean anytime more so than you're more so than walking in from the road. Like you're just going to less people are going to use water access, but there are times, you know, like during the rut, whenever everybody's out there and there will be some people, I'm sure using that, using that water access. Um, so, so going mm-hmm. into, into that hunt, you know, you're, you have less pressure, which obviously keeps the deer more comfortable in an area. Um, you are seeing the sign start to open up. Now I can tell you this about my area where I hunt and drew, you would probably be able to say the same thing. I would imagine it is very rare that I see a secondary rut and it's very rare that I see scrapes. I I see rubs get freshened and I'll see, you know, some fresher rubs going into the new year. Um, and maybe even a little bit out outside of January, but for the most part, all the sign kind of disappears. Um, Whereas in a place like Kentucky, you have a a higher deer population and probably a a healthier buck to doe ratio. And do you think that that plays any part, Adam, from what you've seen there, the, the, as far as the, the buck to doe ratio, both there and in Tennessee in the places where you've hunted, um, where you said that you, you absolutely have have a secondary rut. Are those places better as far as the buck to doe ratio? Yes, like where I grew up, buck to doe ratio is much more well balanced. And you, you've you've hunted up here, Parker. You've seen like the sign that I have where I live now. We just have a ton. We got a, a bunch of does. And honestly, you know, me and my buddies that hunt here locally, we always talk about sending them out. And I think uh, for the most part, a lot of I think there was actually a lot more deer killed off this place this year than than normal. Um, there's just it's just lopsided. And when you get to a place like Kentucky where I think I probably saw as many bucks up there in two days as I did those. And I hunted, you know, a couple of years back in the rut. I think I counted 20 bucks during the rut. In two days, I saw 13 this year. Wow. That's crazy to me. Wow. Crazy. Wow. Yeah. I mean, and, and, yeah. and good ones yeah, too. Adam, it wasn't like they were like, yeah, just little, little dingers, <laughs> yeah. you know, they were good ones. Yeah. I mean, that's, four that, shooters. That's what one I was the lifetime buck. Yeah, 
Okay. Yeah, I was I was wondering, Adam, um, with, when it comes to that secondary rut, because um, on camera here some, and um, would, would like your opinion on it. Do you, do you think the quality of Buck is better in the secondary rut versus the primary, or at least the sidings of 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 the quality of Buck is better in the secondary? Because I know here, just like Parker said, we don't we don't necessarily have have it very often. But when we do, it's like the big boys come out to play, you know. And so, like, mm-hmm. is do do you, do you see a, a different quality of buck in in the secondary versus the primary? Man, you know, growing up, I would say you know younger years, I would say the later, yes. Um, I would think I kind of experienced the same thing in Kentucky this year, and it was a little bit different mm-hmm. in, in Kentucky. Uh, during what time I got to spend there during a rut. So usually I've hunted there the November rut. Uh, a couple the last couple of years now I get to hunt that secondary rut. And generally speaking, in that early November rut, I'm seeing a lot of young bucks, right? And maybe one, right? Maybe one or two shooters. This secondary rut, it was like every group of bucks. And every time I saw a buck, it was a group of them. There was a mature buck in that group. So, yeah, yeah, I think there might be something to it, man, for sure. Why do you think they were grouped yeah, just, up like that? Yeah, that that's interesting. Adam? You know, I don't know if you guys experienced this, but around here and, you know, a lot of times of hunting in December, getting close to January, it seems like the deer either A, has completely disappeared, or B, you hit the jackpot and you find all the deer in the freaking woods. And I kind of think that's what's happening, especially up there in the ag country in Kentucky. You know, there's a lot of cut cornfields, there's turnip patches, uh, there's winter wheat planted. I mean, it's it's just a lot different world. And I think these deer are grouped up more and more heading to food. So I think you're just, you're kind of seeing a little bit of that, um, all all of them kind of grouped up together action. They're flocked up. <laughs> it's that late yeah, season, that late up, season yeah. where they get they get flocked up again, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I roosting together. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well, normally here, and I think Parker could say the same. Like, um, once once January rolls around, it it, it pretty much. I mean, it's uh, it's a um, it's really difficult to find to to find a good buck. I mean, I don't know where they go, but and 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 I'm talking about private too. Even on my um, private club over there, like it's. Once the new year rolls around, dude, it's just like they just go into hiding, and um, I don't I don't know what that is. I don't know if they just you know found found a spot where they don't got to move very much and got food, but um, it's 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 really difficult. I think that's definitely the case. What you said, Drew, talking about food and getting up really close to their food, they kind of go back to that where they they're yeah not, they're not moving nearly as much, and and they're not you know they're not leaving their food source. And and also the buck to doe ratio yep. here is is pretty low, I would say, um, compared yeah. compared to a place like like uh, some parts of Tennessee, you know for sure, and then also Kentucky, a hundred percent Kentucky. Like it just seems I don't know how. Yeah. I guess you know the the they have a pretty conservative tag number that you get. You kill one buck, and so that keeps a lot of the bucks alive. And, um, and so, but, but you also have the added benefit of, of crops and 
here's what I'll say. Right. You know, I have hunted Alabama on private land where there is, uh, you know, cut corn in late season, and there are definitely deer there. The deer are hitting that like crazy, and and you'll be able to kill one. And I think, I think for a guy, a guy in in this area, obviously, we talked about it last week. The rut is so spread out across Alabama. If you really wanted to kill a buck, if you still have a buck tag right now, you can find somewhere that the rut is, you know, hot yeah. and heavy right now um, until the end of the season. So you always have that option. But if you want to stick to your your home place and the rut's already passed, man, I think now is the time to be hunting some type of food. If you don't if you don't hunt a corn feeder all year long, I think right now is the time to do it. Um or if you've got yeah. food plots or something like that. Like right now is the time to be to be hunting it. And uh, I don't know. Have you guys kind of seen Adam, have you seen that in your area where uh, especially like in Tennessee late season ruts over, you know, finding those places that have just just more food, more available food? That's where the deer are at, and you got to find it. Like I've even thought about here, you know, season's over here now. Like the juvenile just ended. I mean, my plan is to get into the woods and start figuring out the food sources uh, in this particular area that I'm hunting now. So next year, if I still got a buck tag in my pocket, hopefully I can get on bucks faster. And and one thing I learned in Kentucky this year was, man, during this time of year, you better just be scouting, 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 and I would do less time sitting in a tree and more time with boots on the ground finding deer. And once you find deer, to stick to them. Like, that's when the strategy starts taking place, you know? Absolutely. So you had a, you had a quick window of time there in Kentucky for that late season rut, um, which I guess before we talk about the story – uh, well, no, 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 let's, let's go ahead and talk about the story. Cause I kind of know where this, the, the storyline will lead into what I wanted to talk about, but, um, you, you had a limited amount of time. How many days were you there? Two or three? Saturday. Well, yeah, I got there Friday night and was only able to uh, hunt Saturday through Sunday. Okay. Saturday through Sunday. So two days to go in there. I want you to kind of break down what happened. Um, break down your setups, why you chose to set, set up there, Maybe some of the things that you saw that led you into that into that place where you ultimately connected on a good buck. So I, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but the place where I killed the buck, I'd had like historical, uh, like a lot of boots on the ground in the past mm-hmm. and kind of felt comfortable with that area and honestly stayed out of there until like the latch, last ditch scenario. And I'll get to that a little bit, but the mornings, man, like the two mornings there was, I was there was focused on bedding because if anybody's hunted water access bucks, especially like in somewhat of hill country, man, those bucks and deer in general, it, they just, it feels to me like, and I've had this experience here in Tennessee, they're just thinking close to the water. Um, so when I'm hunting, when I, my plan was in the mornings was a good entry route to get to where I felt like deer would be going to bed at from leaving a food source, but also in a place where I thought maybe there wouldn't have been a ton of pressure um, in those areas. And, and that was kind of like my game plan going in. And also I didn't have much, uh, much uh, confidence in the morning hunts. I was there to hopefully kill a deer, 
but really my entire day was, you know, like get down probably about nine o'clock and start scouting. And that's what I think it ultimately put, uh, you know, contributed to the success. Yeah, for sure. And, and that, that's one thing that I did this week. I, I know everybody's heard me talk about it or not this week, but this season was especially these out of state hunts, hunting places. I didn't know. Um, maybe I, maybe I had an idea of the area, but wanted to go somewhere different within that WMA or that, that piece of piece of property. I just spent a lot of time finding, searching for those spots. And, and it sounds so simple, but people miss out on it so much, I think, by really getting, mm-hmm. jumping the gun. You know, like, I want to be in the tree. I only have two days to get this thing done. I need to spend that time hunting. Well, yep. those two days are going to be in vain if you're hunting a spot that doesn't have deer, you know, and you're wasting a sit on it. So I would rather have... If I've got two days, let's say that's four hunts, you got morning and evening for two days, I would rather spend a morning and an evening and another morning scouting so that that last evening is beneficial and I feel confident in the spot. You know, and I, I think that I think that's kind of what you're saying, you know. Go and hunt somewhere until 9 o'clock when you still got the rest of the day, then scout. Find your spot, you know. Find a place where you can be confident. Now, as you were doing that, as you were, as you were, you know, scouting and and trying to find those those bedding areas what were the things that you were absolutely looking for in you know obviously you know it's going to be if if there is a a late cycle doe in heat you're gonna you want to be there how are you looking for that though um like what's your scouting look like during that time of the season so during that time of the season, we talked about it a little bit, like the deer, they're either there or they're absolutely not. And so for me, I was looking, uh, I was trying to hit the food sources close to water where I had good access. And also again, felt like, you know, it wouldn't be a ton of pressure, but then I was looking for fresh deer sign. So, you know, fresh deer droppings, uh, you know, tracks, anything that told me deer were hitting that food source right now. And my plan was that that's where I wanted to plan my two evening hunts and, and try to make something happen. So that's really what I was looking for, man. Just fresh deer sign poop, uh, being the number one, find a ton of poop. You know, you got a bunch of does and if does are in heat, you can't be far off. Yeah. So were you, were you looking at all for any type of big buck sign, like rubs and scrapes and stuff like that? Um, you know, honestly, man, I was just keyed. I, I've been there enough times now. I kind of know where I feel like a lot of the good deer are at historically, even in the late season, because a lot of people like to talk. Uh, you know, that saying, <laughs> loose lips sink ships. I think Dan Infault says that. Yeah. People love to talk, man. They love to tell you about where they killed their deer, what time of year they killed their deer in. And if you just kind of narrow that down into a, a smaller chunk and then – kind of hone in on that that was my game plan like you got to have faith that you'll know some deer in that area plus i did have a little bit of tram, uh, trail camera until uh, the guy was i actually hunted with a local up there cody Cassinger. just mispronounced his name sorry cody uh we <laughs> we spent a couple of days hunting together um and he had some trail camera pictures man and like, we knew mature bucks were in the areas that we hunted he had trail cameras everywhere yeah and one of those deer like was a chunk he was a slab like like what would you say that one buck weighed like 
over 300 pounds, I would imagine. 350, easy. Dude. And he was huge. Like, he was so big. He was so fat. I don't even know how you're going to hear like that out of the woods. Hey, there, there's nothing wrong with joining the 300 pound club, fellas. All right. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay. <laughs> He was, he was a, there's no way that deer would stay on Parker's kayak. Dude, how great would that video be? There's that, that, that's not like a challenge, Parker. I'm going after him. I'm going after him next year. I know exactly where he's at too. Uh, no, I actually don't. That that deer was like 200 yards from where you hunted this year. Really? That's crazy. Yeah, man. You were really, I think, uh. You know the big buck you got on camera in September? That it, I missed? With like a 10 or 11 point, something like that. I can't remember if you missed that one. It was uh, your September hunt in Kentucky. You, that was super close to where that buck was at. The deer were bedded where you shot or shot or where, saw that buck. Dang. And then they were coming down that ridge line towards food. It was him. So I already had a little bit of <laughs> info. Thank you. It, it was him. I know <laughs> yeah. it was him. Um, no. <laughs> So Adam, that was that was the mornings. What was you so say? Get down at nine o'clock and you do some scouting. But what did did you have an afternoon plan, or did you let the scouting take care of the afternoon plan? Scouting just kind of took care of the afternoon plan. Uh, really, okay. that that first evening I went off of Cody's trail camera pictures and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we really wanted to hone in on what Parker's talking about. So we got in there and. Dude, I saw a buck parade uh, close to, and I, I wasn't close to getting a shot off. I think those deer were probably 80 to 100 yards away. I wasn't in the right tree, but, man, it was a buck parade, and I kind of thought I saw that buck in that group. It was a humongous body deer, but, yeah, man, I was just trying to do that, uh, stay close to that food source, bedding, again, not knowing they're going to go crazy distance and fresh sign, and I was able to get in there and find the fresh sign and Cody hunted close by too. And he had a really good opportunity to kill him uh, as well. But he was, he was in a better spot than I was, honestly, that first, first afternoon. Yeah. So, um, so then going, going to the second afternoon, did you, did you push in? I mean, if, if you're 80 yards away, uh, I mean, you know, I mean, you can cut that in half and then you're, you're in bow range. Is that what you did or did you go somewhere else um, based on the sign? So the crazy thing is I decided to go somewhere else and I felt a little silly, you know, doing it because right. we felt like we had a, we were in the bucks, you know, Cody's got a cell camera. He knows when these deer are coming in and out. Um, the bucks were there to be killed and Cody had tried killing these deer all year, probably, or at least all through December and had had any luck. And honestly, man, I, I told Cody, I was like, look, I wanted to hunt this one particular spot. We had already scouted it, uh, the day before on that first day and i was like that's where i'm going like i want i've been thinking about hunting this place all year long the sun is there that's where i want to be and i you know thankfully that's where i ended up and i did ended up pushing a little deeper into that spot as far as um i pushed my limits of trees and i'll say one of the the negatives about my hunting in the past especially like transitioning to a public land hunter is not knowing exactly like the kill tree. Um, and I've hesitated right. this time this year. I feel like I've transitioned into getting one tree closer as turkey hunters like to say, um, I've done a better job getting one tree closer and sometimes it's sketchier trees. And 
crazy thing, man. I'll get caught there, but you know, sometimes that's just the right tree to be in. Yeah. So which, I feel confident going in. Which saddle hunting is, is a big part of that too. I think, you know, being able to go in and, mm-hmm. and find yourself the right tree to get into, you know, there's no doubt that you can, you can get into a better tree with a saddle than you can with a climber. And in a lot of cases, a lock on, in my opinion, you can, so some people would argue that, but um, nonetheless, you're able to get your, your mobile setup was able to get you in the right tree. And I saw a picture of that tree and it was it, from the pictures that I saw, it looked pretty daggum branchy. Like it looked, it looked tough to get into for sure. Um, Dude, yeah. I climbed more limbs than I did on my uh, steps on my stick. Like there was, I, love I don't it. know. I guess, I guess a guy could have got a hang on in there. Maybe I thought, you know, a previous hunter did cause he sketched his initials in there. I thought, man, I think that guy used to hang on and he ended up using a saddle. I found him online. That's another story, but, um, yeah, man, that oh, was that's a cool. little bit skinny sycamore. Yeah, it, it was cool. Dude. Now, now you're one man, of the few awesome. people, Adam, and we can, we can plug a product here. You're one of the few people in the world that has gotten to hunt with the tethered one sticks. You're able to, um, to get those, <laughs> How now a sycamore tree is a smooth bark tree, which is very tough to get into it with a lot of sticks. How, how was the, the one sticks on the sycamore? I mean, I feel like that's kind of the ultimate test for a climbing stick. Totally flawless. As far as how they grab on the tree and the attachment method, um, it's by far my favorite stick without a doubt. I have, I would have no issues climbing any kind of tree. Like I've had the, the shikar sticks. The shikars would have done fine on that tree as well. But man, that tethered one stick, it's my favorite stick. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't have a set, mm-hmm. but I have climbed with them and it's insane. Like, and you, <laughs> so I use the lone wolf custom gear, double steps. That's what I have. And those bolts, like, People are like, I get people all the time who are like, man, there's no way that those bolts bite. No, they freaking will bite like crazy. It, and sometimes it's like, these might be borderline illegal because they put, so, they bite into the tree so hard. Um, yeah. The, you know, it kind of looks like you've got climbing spikes on really. Uh, they bite so hard. It's, it's awesome. And I've, I've felt great about them. And I thought that they were light until I picked up a set of the, tethered one sticks all wrapped <laughs> together and i was like oh this is like holding air <laughs> you know like i feel like i'm just holding air right now yeah. it's it's amazing it really is pretty cool so so you go in you find my this area could pack those sticks oh easy dude like my daughter pushes around a baby that yeah. like a, a, a toy baby that probably weighs more than the one sticks you know like they're they're so light yeah. um so tell me adam i, I want to get into the to the story of this hunt um, we got just a little bit of time left and, and I want to talk about kind of specifics of the successful hunt. So you went into this, this area, you found the sign, you found the tree. Tell me everything. Tell me everything about the area. What did it look like? What were the things that you thought the deer were coming into, um, during that time of the, during that time of the season, just kind of break it all down for us. I try not to give too many details about this one, one area and, if you think of if you watch Dan Invault videos, you listen to Dan Invault, you think about, you know, hunting water access and how Dan talks about that. I found one of the perfect areas for what I felt like would be bedding um, in 
around water access and food. And I'm trying again. I'm trying to give too much. Yeah, don't detail. give it all away. I have a habit of doing that. Don't give it all away. I want to. I want to hunt it. I want to hunt it next year. So don't, don't give it away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we both hunted it before. <laughs> we both had a lot of success down there. Um, and so I knew going in, like there will absolutely be bucks in that area. And the real other really cool thing was is there was three different types of food right there. I mean, there was cut corn, there was a turnip patch, and there was just the greenest little, you know, winter wheat field that looks like something out of a you know, picture, I don't know, gone with the wind, whatever is beautiful. So, you know, and, and all the deer sign within that, like these, these deer are going to be there, right? Like they're going to hit it. Maybe it's not during the daylight. Maybe it is. But as I, I think I Marco Poloed you and Walt Parker before, I was like, I may not kill a deer this afternoon, but by George, I'm going to have one beautiful sit just because of all the food and where I was at. And not to mention all the food and not to mention I was in a good spot for bedding. There's tons of bedding areas. It's so thick with some CRP down in this place. Um, there was some hardwoods. It's just a lot of different types of transitions, edges, all coming together into this one spot, this one little sycamore tree that had an opening uh, between some of these food sources. And it's, it's just perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It, those type of areas, you know, when you talk about all the transitions, we, we hit that hard on the podcast and, and on, I mean, that's really mm-hmm. my style yep. of hunting, all the different things that kind of come together. Um, but one of the things that we don't talk about a lot, not, I wouldn't say it, just a ton is something like winter wheat, you know, in a place like that where you're getting into a spot that does not have a lot of pressure. Um, would you say, Adam, that, you know, in let, let's just talk about most public land areas. Would a, would a super green field, basically, which is what most people in the south would refer that to, would that be something that would catch your eye and be something that you would typically hunt? No. No, man, my last hunt in Tennessee, I actually passed one up. Um, I was going on a, a piece of public land, and there's a couple of really, really green fields. Uh, and then there's like this just one area that's just, you know, brushy, nasty. I didn't go to those green fields. I talked to some hunters. They just left, came from there, shot a couple of does. Like, those green fields get pounded, pounded, pounded. But in Kentucky, where a guy would have had to walk 1.5 miles probably to get there or bring a boat, I felt pretty dang confident around December 21st that those deer could be hitting those green fields in daylight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what it sounds like. I had to train my mind in Kentucky, a place like that with a lot of deer, you know, I just had to train myself to, to hunt differently than I would back home. And I think that that, that is a huge, huge part of that. So, so you get in there, you find this spot, it's got tons of sign, obviously the deer hitting it. Um, tell me about the encounters that you had that night. So, man, um, it was a quiet night up until, you know, maybe 45 minutes before, you know, end of shoot legal shooting light. I look over and see a kind of tall rack. He wasn't a huge buck, but a tall rack buck come popping out of this bedding area. And then a couple of those pop out. Um, and at that point, like I'm getting excited, right? Like this one buck, he's looking at me. I'm in this sycamore tree, probably, you know, it's got tons of limbs and I'm, I'm as tough as uh, close and tight to this thing as I can possibly get. And he knows 
something's up. I'm not moving, but he kind of has me spotted, and I'm a little concerned. Um, and so at, at this point, I'm I'm actually trying to get my bow over because I got my bow on my weak side. I thought these deer would come into this turnip patch, which was on my weak side, just the only way I could set up. So I'm having to get my bow over uh, my my freaking tether, and uh, that which I did, and they're getting spotted by this deer. And then all of a sudden, man, like two more bucks pop out and another doe and they're both chasing her. So that's kind of where I'm at at, at this point in time. It's, it's like all happening really, really quick. Did she, was this doe hot? Like, could you tell, was she hot? Was she like, what was she, what, what was she doing? Dude. So again, it happened really quick, but this is one of the coolest like memories I'll probably ever have of a deer encounter because the deer that I'll say I wanted to shoot, and I, this is a, this is a weird part of the story, but anyway, there's two bucks. They are dogging her hard. I'm talking running her like they're trying to chase her down, wear her out. They're, she's hot, you know, and they're in like full-blown rut action. Uh, they come, this doke is going to come right between this gap that I've set up on between this winter wheat and turnip patch. Uh, she's coming right there between the two. The buck that I want to shoot is chasing her hardcore. The other deer is shooting across the field to my left, to my strong side. Like he's, he's already in range. And then this doe cuts back towards him. So they like, they've got her cornered. And at this point in time, I'm drawn back in the buck. Down. I'm grunting at this buck, meh, meh, meh. And they're just moving so fast and so fast to these limbs. And finally he stops. Now, here's the weird part of my story that I'll never, like, I don't think I'm ever going to come to terms with. The buck stops. There's the second buck there. I shoot. I'm watching these bucks run off to where, from where they come from. I see this buck, you know, like, just blood is coming out of his shoulder. And I'm, like, pumped up. I'm excited. Crazy. And then I start thinking about it. Like, where I saw the exit, like that shouldn't have been where that arrow exits out of this buck. That's a whole, I don't even know how to get it all into it. Long story short, I'm not sure that I was actually shot the buck that I intended to shoot or if everything happened so fast, I ended up shooting the other buck. It doesn't matter. I'm super stoked. Happy <laughs> it happened that way. But it's a weird story. Every, I think I, I think about it every day. It's like, how did I pull that arrow out of that deer? That it just doesn't make sense it was either a really good shot or just like you were off by like 10 feet and hit the wrong deer (laughs) um honestly might have like centered up on the wrong deer but it doesn't make any sense either so yeah so back to this doe okay i want to know here's what the science says the science or I, i guess you could call it the science here's what a lot of biologists have talked about as far as that secondary rut um most of that secondary rut is going to be doe fawns yearling fawns that basically become sexually mature a little bit later a month later basically than the the adult does was this doe obviously it happened fast and you may not know was she a small fawn looking doe or was it a matured, like, you know, a regular sized doe. She was not a big doe. Like, and I wasn't paying much attention to her. Um, definitely wasn't paying that much attention to her as much as I was the two bucks. But yeah, I, I would say that she was, 
a very young doe. A very young doe, probably a doe fawn. I don't know what age class. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What probably would you? What did she score? Could have been. What would she have scored? <laughs> um, that'll answer everything. <laughs> Maybe. Um, no. So I mean. <laughs> I you have those those type of situations, and that's kind of what the root of what I wanted to get down to, as far as you know where you were where you decided to set up. You set up on an area that had the most sign and the most deer sign, which would probably more than likely be a lot of doe sign, you know, tracks and things like that. Um, but you kind of give yourself the best odds at seeing a deer, and then one of those deer possibly being that younger, you know, yearling fawn that could possibly be in heat. Is that kind of what you felt like happened right there? I mean, you would really know based on the first hunt, you saw a lot of bucks. Were they chasing does at all, or were they just hanging out? So the most, um, the second most chasing I saw was actually in the one, the first morning scouting up along the river and I believe with almost certainty, like those were younger, like younger does as well. Uh, again, not like mature does that those bucks were with. And those bucks, one of them was just like kind of hanging with those does, but the bigger one of the two in that particular group, I mean, he was pushing them along. Yeah. I mean, and then they caught us. So does that, does that line up with what you saw? in Tennessee in the place that you were at when you were younger, that private piece, whenever you had that secondary rut, did it tend to be the younger does as well? Feels like it. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm sitting here yeah. looking at this. I the, wasn't thinking about it as much then. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of people yeah. aren't, you know, when you're, when you're doing that, you're hoping you see that type of action, but once you see it, you're not really looking at the doe. You're not, I mean, you're not paying attention to her as much as you are the buck. But I, I, the biggest deer that I ever killed, yeah, I started out this podcast saying I have not seen a lot of secondary rut action. Um, but the time that I did, that I have seen it, it has been with good deer. And the biggest deer that I ever killed in Georgia was um, deer in the secondary rut. It was December the 17th, I believe, in Georgia, which is way after the primary rut. And he was with a doe fawn that was what he was pushing around it was a little bitty tiny little puppy dog looking doe like she was little bitty and and i think a lot of guys there's there's a misconception may it may not be a misconception it may not be it there may be some truth to it but they're expecting this secondary rut to be this big huge grand thing and that realistically you're not going to see it all the time. It's not going to be the primary rut. It's just not going to be. But if you're in a place like where you're at in Kentucky, where there's, you know, fawn survival is obviously pretty stinking high. They have so many deer there. Um, You know, Adam, when we've been there in September, how many fawns do we see out there? I mean, Oh man. Yeah. They're everywhere. Tons. Like, I have seen more yeah. fawns in Kentucky on the September hunts than de- than any other type of deer in Kentucky on the September hunts. It's just like lone fawns coming in, twins come by. I mean, you just see so many stinking fawns. And so you're in a place that's managed well. The fawn survival rate is high. And 
you know, I don't think it's coincidence that you're able to go and see a good secondary rut because of that. And um, so that's kind of what I guess, Adam, what would you say to a guy who's wanting to try to find just in a nutshell, he's wanting to try to find that secondary rut. What would you say is the number one thing that he should be keying in on during whatever time frame that might be in most of the country? It's going to be that, you know, early to early to mid September or uh, early to mid December. What would you say he should be looking for? Man, um, with your time frame there, the early December. Uh, let's just know, say, let's just say the secondary run. I'm still hunting like terrain at that point. So, it, you know, if, if I'm going to a, a place in Tennessee, let me go back to my Southern Tennessee spot. We hunted terrain features during the secondary rut more so than it, just like we would during that first initial rut. It was saddles, you know, different benches you hunt off of bedding, like that, the pinch points, that's kind of how I've just had the most success anyways. And, and that's what I would go to um, during that time for now, later in December, like what I, where I killed uh, December 21st time frame, I'd be just dialed in on food uh, really hardcore on food yeah i think it's just situational you know sure it kind of hard to answer, is. But I, I think about the three places that i hunt so it's like i'd hunt them all three uh three different ways you know yeah yeah but I, it's it's also too important adam that i think everybody realizes too that you like it, it sounds like especially if they're they're in kentucky like you found a honey freaking hole you know in the sense of like yeah all the diversity all came together in one spot and then oh by the way there happened to be two food plots there too you know and so it, it's like um it's it's not it's not much different parker than 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 what we normally talk about you know finding that that different um type of terrain where, where everything comes together x marks the spot type of deal you know it it just happened to also be there was two food plots um that either man created or that god did you know and so um, um it, don't 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 overlook that too guys like deer are going to be where deer are going to be based off the terrain and and just everything that that we've talked about and it just it just sounds like you found a really really good spot yeah and i would I'm say about that. i would say you found a great spot for deer in general you know and that's kind of what i was getting right, at exactly. you want to you want to go you want to go to those spots that are going to have those, you know, those features that you're looking for, the the transitions and all the terrain and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, during that time frame, I think for that to, to have your best chance at seeing a secondary rut, you go to the place where you have the best chance at just seeing deer. Like we talk about um, in uh, – big woods type areas when you're hunting a mature buck you're trying to find a big huge buck you're going to hunt in areas where maybe the majority of the deer aren't at but when you see a deer it'll be the right one that kind of i'm going to say that kind of goes out the window a little bit when you start talking about rut tactics you want to be where the does mm-hmm. are going to be at yeah. you want to be where all the deer are yeah. going to be at you know you that's that's where you want to be at and so i think I think it sounds to me like, Adam, that's kind of what you did. You went into the place where you saw the most just concentrated deer sign, no matter what kind of sign it was, just 
deer sign where you felt like they were spending a lot of time. It had the things that they desired, and yep. you got you got that opportunity, you know, to see a secondary rut that was, I mean, <laughs> maybe better than the primary that you've mm-hmm. seen there. It was. Yeah, it was for me. And I'll, I'll add this too for people thinking about hunting like new areas. Mike Eastman wrote a book um, on mule deer hunting. And in that book, and I, it might have been on elk hunting, either way, it was a Western book. And in that book, he talks about you need to go to an area five consecutive years. It's very important so you can understand the terrain, you can understand where the deer concentrated, the different food sources at different times of the year. Um, me continuously, even though like sometimes time has been limited just to get up there, even if it's for one day, two days, three days, whatever it is, and spend time in these areas consistently and consecutively year over year. I think that really helps. I mean, it, and I know it has, it helps uh, learn the area, learn where the deer are. We talked about it in the beginning. Like that's exactly what I was looking for is like, where are the deer going to be concentrated at? And I kind of already knew in some ways, like this should be a deery area. Yeah, man. I mean, I think I talked about that at, at some point during the season when I was kind of recapping the the trip that I did to Kentucky where I ended up killing my buck in Kentucky this year. Um, you know, you need – there's a, a saying that's like you need three three days to scout. What is it? Three days to scout it, three days to hunt it, and three years to figure out what the deer are actually doing there. And – and I think yep, that that, good. that holds true, man. I mean, you, you really got to have time spent in an area. And it can be very easy to just be like, oh, I didn't see any deer the first year that you go out there. I didn't see any deer, so I'm not going to go back there. Well, then you have to start all over for the next place because you're not going to understand the deer there at the at the new place either. You know, you're going to have to spend time there. And I think that that's, that's super important. You definitely did that, you know. Um, I thought maybe you were a little bit crazy for – keeping on going to the same place <laughs> that <laughs> continued to just kicking my tail, kick your butt, you know, and, and not, not for lack of encounters either. You had a, a ton, like how many, how many encounters have you had with what could potentially be the biggest buck of your life in Kentucky in the past three, four years? Almost every, I guess three that oh. would all outdo the one that I killed this year. Yeah. In Tennessee. So, yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable. It, I mean, it, it really is. Like, you can you can go into these places and have those encounters, um, but at this point, you kind of – you were able to narrow it down to, I mean, even being in the right tree. And that was from previous years, you know. I mean, that tree selection was from previous years of being there. I think that's amazing. I think it's absolutely incredible – and uh, and I'm I was super jacked for you, man. Whenever whenever I saw that uh, that so it was one of those stupid Marco Polo. If people listen to this, if you don't have Marco Polo, you won't, you might not understand. But sometimes it's it's basically a video chat uh, app where you can send video. You can have group group messages or whatever. So me and Adam and Walter Lee are all on a Marco Polo chat, and um, we knew Adam was there. Well. sometimes if you don't have good service, it'll give you like the first two seconds of, of the video. And it'll be like, Oh man. And then it'll just freeze and it'll wait until (laughs) and wait until he has good internet connection, uh, or whatever phone service 
to send it all the way through. So it was like two hours after you shot this thing that we finally got the message <laughs> that you killed it. And I was like, I'm sitting there. I'm like stressing out a little bit. I'm like, man, his face doesn't look like the face of somebody who didn't kill a deer. He looks like he killed something right there. And I freaking want to know, you know, <laughs> it took like two hours before it was like, Adam's message is now ready. <laughs> and so um, we were a little bit late to the party of being able to know that you killed that deer. But man, I, I got to say, I was... I was fired up for you. I know there's been a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of gas money, just, I mean, money in general invested into that, yeah. that experience. So I think that was a, that was a cool deal, deal for you, man. I'm, I'm super jacked for you. I'm glad your season turned out the way that it did this year. I appreciate it, man. I'm glad, uh, glad you two guys also had killer season tagged out in, in the old state of Alabama. And I know Parker, you also killed one and you tagged out in Kentucky. So, good season all around for the three of us this year it has yeah yeah it definitely has and i think it goes back to you know anybody who's listening to this right now and you're like man i want to be able to get um like i know a lot of people who listen to the podcast who have struggled to just kill a deer you know kill one i mean i think they say like it's the 80 20 rule or whatever 80 percent of the deer get killed by 20 percent of the people and I think these these podcasts and this content, consuming it and really taking it and applying it is, I mean, I know so much of my success has gone into listening to guys talk about their experiences and talking about their learning experiences and things that have helped them, you know, be successful. I, and I, I like, like you talked about, I want to take things that everybody says and become the most well-rounded deer hunter that I possibly can be. And a lot of that comes from just, I mean, finding those people who you can really, really learn from. And I think this situation is one of those things that uh, a guy could, could definitely learn from your experiences, Adam. And so again, dude, congrats on the season. And uh, I hope next season is even better, but you know what we got coming up between now and next deer season. <laughs> that was that would be turkey season. Yeah, your <laughs> yeah. Adam's favorite time of the season, and p- quite possibly the most stressful time of the season um, for me. Anyways, <laughs> so it's the most stress turkey season, man. I just it stresses me out. Like these birds, they just golly if they knew the amount of pain yeah, like, they caused me. <laughs> it would, Adam it, Parker, Parker, like you know, Parker has you know. Deer season is what it is, but then like turkey season, it's like forty days of depression for Parker. And like every year, like I'm, I'm like, I like call him and be like, "Hey man, what you doing?" Uh, you know, man, just, just, I'm just living life. I'm like, you sound depressed, man. I just can't get on these birds, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Parker, man, it, it'll be all right, bro. Like we're like you, you're gonna kill. Him. I don't know, man. I mean, it's it's it's, it's just funny man and, and parker kind of got me into it last year and so um i'm gonna try to get on a couple with him this year but uh yeah it, it's turkey season's funny man like like it's just it's crazy i don't it's blame crazy. i don't blame anybody who says you know i just i just don't want to even start because i know once i start it's gonna consume me like I was like, no, nah, that ain't going to happen to me. I'm a deer hunter, man. Like, I'm, I'd am i live for deer season. And, but then, dude, once turkey season gets here, it's true. Like, you can't think about anything. But we got a little bit of time before now and then. 
and uh, we can enjoy the rest of our deer season. Um, Adam, you ought to come down, get you like a three-day or whatever license. There are some bonus buck hunts that I'm going to be able to do this year where you don't have to use i'm obviously tagged out so i can't use one of my three tags but you can kill a bonus buck on specific wmas down here and uh and i'm gonna go do that so you you ought to come down get you that little tag i know i mean you can't hide money i know you got the money to do it you could do it if you want to Uh, and come come get you a taste of uh alabama public land and try to kill a buck I mean, you're 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 statistically, you'll do pretty well this season. So, I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yes, yeah. Adam, Adam would probably yep. kill him 30 minutes into the first morning hunt. Yeah. And um, you know, yeah. as long as there's a hurricane, you're hot, you're hot, man. As long as there's a hurricane going on, you'll be fine. I think you'll kill one, but but dude, seriously, man. Uh, man, well, y'all hold that. T- Hold that invite for me next year. How about that? Okay. All right. We'll do that. Dude, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. Congrats on a killer season. Yeah, man. Yes, brother. Man, I appreciate it. I enjoy coming on here. Uh, A lot of fun talking with you guys. So, thanks for the invite. I appreciate it. Absolutely, dude. Really appreciate it. And, guys, um, make sure you can can follow Adam on social media. Adam, you want to give your your social media information, or is that kind of something you don't want to give out? Uh, my Instagram is cool. AK Cruz, C R E W S, on Instagram. Oh, I think yeah. it's AK dot Cruz. Yeah, it is. It is. I've tagged you in a lot of stuff. It's AK dot Cruz. I was gonna give it out, but I figured I'd ask you first. But you can see, uh, you can see some of the pictures of these killer, killer hunts that he's had this season, and uh, and keep up with him there. But guys, um, like we talked about earlier in the podcast, I know a lot of the state of Alabama and Mississippi is still experiencing you know, heavy, heavy rut action. And so if you're in those places or if you're planning on going to those places, good luck. And uh, I hope, you know, what we always do is we we try to, you know, bring a a good balance of education and entertainment to the show. And so I hope the things that you hear talked about here are helping you guys become successful in the Whitetail Woods. And, uh, and again, thank you guys so much for your support of, uh, of Southern ground, both on the podcast and on YouTube. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. I'm going to be taking a um, a 21 day social media hiatus. I'm I'm going to disappear for a little bit, but you can still go to the YouTube channel and on Facebook and Instagram, and you can uh, you can follow us there. I will tell you though, for the next 21 days, social media is going to be pretty quiet on my end. Um, I've decided to just kind of take a little bit of break and uh, really dedicate this time to to the lord and and being you know as focused as i possibly can be and for that reason social media just doesn't as we can all probably agree on social media does not uh, does not oh lord Ugh, uh, yeah yeah i'm it, it, it's supposed to be a sacrifice but mm. honestly man at this point i kind of am, i'm looking forward to it i think i'll be a lot better person after this um, but that being said we will still have podcasts and youtube videos that are going to be coming out during that time i'm going to try to get up for you um but you will not hear about them on social media um you'll have to make sure you're subscribed and uh and find us on on those outlets so anyways guys if you're going to be in the woods remember this that god gave you dominion over the birds of the air the fish of the sea and the beasts of the earth so go out 
and exercise that dominion. We will talk to you next time.